I'm Allegra Levy, and you're listening to the Scout Archives, the place where I have the privilege of introducing you to groundbreaking artists who also happen to be wonderful people. For more information on the guests or to nominate someone, head to our website, www.thescoutarchives.com. You can also follow us on social media at the handle The Scout Archives. And you can reach out to me on Instagram at Levy Allegra. Now let's introduce this month's guest. Since I was 12 years old, I looked forward to Monday nights for one reason only. I was heading to Steps on Broadway to take Leia Barak's hip-hop class. Throughout the many years attending her class, Leia taught me so much more than popping and locking. That hour and a half was a large lesson in self-confidence, power, and commitment. She treated every student with the same respect and love, choreographing for young girls and boys of all sizes and levels, and making them feel welcome and seen. As a result, her students all felt like they were a part of a special family. Leia, a symbol of female power to many, may have an incredible resume. Her most recent role being the first female in the last 29 years to direct the now famous Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS benefit performance, Broadway Bears. But her warrior attitude was what was always so inspiring to me. For many years, Leia taught my class from a chair, struggling with an ankle injury that kept her from dancing full out. However, even in the face of adversity, she continued to shine an immense amount of light into my life and into the lives of my peers, which is why we returned year after year. Her dedication and commitment as a teacher caused us to work even harder. Whether we were pushing ourselves in class to prepare for a performance, or sitting in a circle chatting about life and absorbing Leia's incredible wisdom, I always felt lucky to be in the room with her. Four years since being in that studio together, I found myself reaching out to Leia, and soon I was sitting in her Chelsea apartment as if no time had passed. Many things have changed since Leia was teaching my group of friends at Steps on Broadway. But one thing remains the same. No matter where she is, no matter what she's doing, no matter if she is choreographing on a chair or a scooter or on her own two feet, Leia Barak will always be the boss. We're live. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Hey, Leia. Hey. What's up? How are you? I'm amazing. Happy to be here. Do you want to tell everyone where we are right now? I mean, you don't have to give the address, but just let us know just the general vicinity. We are in my amazing Chelsea apartment, (laughs) just hanging out, drinking some coffee, chatting it up. Love it. I met you when I was 12. That's insane. I (laughs) came to a dance class of yours with my cousin. Do you remember Tasha? Of course. (laughs) I do. Tall, leggy. Yes. Totally. And, And it was a really tiny class. I had hated dance class up until that point. Stop it, really? Yeah, because I just didn't like, I didn't, well, I hated ballet class because I hated wearing leotards, but I was like, great, I can just wear sweatpants here, who cares? (laughs) Amazing. Um, And yeah, and then I was in your class for, until I graduated high school. The best class ever. The best team of peeps. That was a good group, the advanced group. group. That was a good group. That was a good group. You guys were like one of the last years of like, just committed committed kids that just stayed through from when you were like 12 years old till then yeah that was like me Maxine Lucy yeah all those people it's a good crew um when did you stop teaching that class I still teach that class you still do (laughs) get out of here why did I not think that that class yeah oh my god that's crazy yeah on Monday nights still? It 
it's on Tuesday nights now. Got it. But yeah, that's been my my jam. It's like one of the only classes that I haven't given up at Steps just because I was teaching all the, you know, when you were like 12, I was teaching all the different levels. And then when I got injured, I just couldn't do, you know, little kids anymore. It was just too repetitive on my ankle. So then I, I kept the advanced kids and, you know, I love teaching that class because, you know, you're, you're teaching kids that are really trying to aspire to be dancers and mm-hmm. want to be there. So it was like a little bit different for the younger classes that yeah. just were there for fun. And it was just, I wanted to train, train mm-hmm. kids and that. So do you still there? Do you still have a like? Hope doesn't still doesn't teach with you still. No, she does not. Now that my body is functioning better, <laughs> she doesn't have. I mean, I like her to be there. Just yes, yeah. it's, it's fun. fun. It's more fun with her. Um, no, but I mean, she'll she's always there to like teach for me when I can't. Like I'm heading to Dallas in a few weeks, and she'll teach my class for the next five weeks because aesthetically, her style is very similarly similar to mine. Yeah. Obviously. (laughs) Um, Wow, that's crazy. I didn't know that you still... How many kids are in the class still, usually? Uh, It varies from year to year. So, like, at the beginning of this year, it was, like, the first time that I didn't didn't have, like, kids coming through from when they were, like, 10 years old because I wasn't teaching those classes, so it was Mm -hmm. harder to maintain it. Right. Um, So I was sort of just getting random people that would come or, like, people that would bring their friends or we'd have, like, auditions and, you know, some people would come through. Um, so we had a good number, like the last few years we had like, you know, 10 to 15 people. And then the beginning of this year, there was only three. And then all of the, um, pre-pro kids that were always like, Oh my God, I'm so afraid to take hip hop because I, you know, it looks so scary. And I'm like, just come take, you're like, you're all advanced dancers. Like, you know, you just have to try, you have to come in and take and not be intimidated by it. So then for the second half of the year, I had, um, 13 of them. So, and they all, they all did really well. I mean, I had some, like, some that never took hip-hop before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but they're, they're advanced dancers, so they could hang at the very least. Sure. And if they had been taking for the last, you know, five years, if they weren't intimidated by it, then they would be really great by now. So, right. you know, we are starting to implement into the program now that we have a new director. Really? Uh-huh. Got yeah. it. So we have a new director, so they're going to implement hip-hop into one of the more recommend like things that kids have to do um cool. like ballet and everything yeah because it was never a requirement yeah before. it was always like it was a, always like for fun yeah and that doesn't really help us at all mm-hmm. um so now it's going to be more required so even like the advanced kids even if you're just a trina like it's going to be required to take hip-hop this year and you don't have to necessarily perform and showcase but you will take class and learn so that's so smart yeah. that's great yes that's what i've been wanting for years very <laughs> cool yeah do you want to tell me a little about your childhood and what when you knew you wanted to be a dancer, when you knew you wanted to mm-hmm. be an artist? And when I was two years old. Just kidding. I really? mean, sort of. Yeah, I mean, every, <laughs> I guess that's the usual story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I took my first dance class with my cousin Faya, who is a year older than me. We're Leia and Faya, so we were like did everything together. That's so cute. Um, yeah, she's the best. And we started when I was two, and she was three in tap class. And obviously, at that point, you know, my mom couldn't have known that I was like super interested in dance, but um, she kept me in dance class because I wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. And then. Um, I started at Annette and Company, which was Josh Burgoss's um, mom's studio, mm-hmm. and Josh Burgoss was my, one of my teachers growing up. Um, 
and they were a part of a lot of the competitions like New York City Dance Alliance and Tremaine and um, you could audition to be on the company that you know always traveled and, and did competitions so I started that when I was probably 11 10 or 11 yeah actually no I was on the junior team when I was like 9 or 10 and I just sort of got lucky in being one of the dancers that always got kind of preferential treatment and like you know the trios or the solos or doing this and that and um you know it just became kind of my little family in in Michigan like my dance friends and Mm -hmm. and I was always at the studio when I went to high school I started teaching at the studio as well and you know Josh actually when I was 12 years old he started teaching hip-hop classes which is not his like wheelhouse but at the time there wasn't really so much hip-hop yeah um and there wasn't hip-hop like there is today obviously yeah so I was like oh after my bat mitzvah I'll have more time to take more classes so I got in there after that and then at competition was where I really learned how to train you know when we were at like Tremaine or NYCDA you know there was teachers from LA or New York and you know you take from these people and you're you know from Michigan and you don't really have access to all that yeah and there wasn't like YouTube or the internet at the time where you could just watch videos like there is today sure um so I used to buy all the VHS videos and of like popping and locking and understanding the basics of hip-hop and I would just put them in my basement in my TV and just literally practice everything that I was taught at these competitions or you know whatever I learned in class I would you know write down the steps in like a notebook because we didn't really have like iPhones or like cameras that could capture it at that time and then I would go back through I remember when I used to like even train in LA I would after class write down like right foot step left foot knee down and like just so I could remember the choreography for when I got back to Michigan to to practice Practice it. it wow that's crazy yeah and was you, did your family, friends, did they kind of sense that you, this was the path you wanted to pursue? Um, yeah, I mean, definitely my, my mom, I don't know if my mom knew it was like the path I wanted to pursue yeah. originally, but um, when I was 18, before I went to college, I knew that I wanted to dance. I wasn't sure what my major was going to be. At one point, I thought I was going to be a fine arts major because all of a sudden I got into, like, drawing. And then I was like, what am I doing with that? I don't... I'm not an artist like that in that sense. Right. A fine artist. Um, And I went to camp, and I actually asked them, instead of being a counselor when you're 18, I asked them if I could start a dance program at the camp. And they were, like, skeptical, but they were like, okay, we'll try it for one month and see what happens. Hmm. So... I was teaching basically from like 9 a.m. till 6 p.m. and it became the most popular thing at the camp like every single kid wanted to be in it and then from then on like the next year I asked them to you know pay for my classes in LA to like learn more movement I asked them to build a mirror and a dance studio and you know they were really into the idea so that helped me sort of get my choreography going a little bit more because I was Mm -hmm. spending the summer teaching dance and I had to choreograph from like eight-year-olds to 16-year-olds and then staff members that wanted to take class. Whoa. So it was kind of cool for 18 to, like, start this whole program that, like, continued on for a few years with different people but then kind of fizzled off. Um, 
So that kind of helped me go into college knowing that I still wanted to pursue dance in some way. Mm-hmm. And then my first year, um, my first year at college, I got in a dance company and we performed all the time and I started, you know, choreographing on adults more, the professional dancers and realizing that it was something that I really wanted to pursue. So in freshman year, I started realizing I was at Indiana University and they really only had a ballet major at the time, which wasn't my thing. Yeah. Um, so I actually started looking into transferring to Tisch um, or auditioning for someplace in New York. But then I found the individualized major program at Indiana and there was a group of girls actually that were doing the same thing as me that wanted a dance major um, but didn't want to do a ballet track. Sure. So we all found sponsors in the dance uh, department that were more in like the contemporary realm um, or modern. Mm-hmm. And I did a individualized major arts administration, dance and business. So I got like a business and the arts sponsor and a dance sponsor. And we basically built a whole curriculum around what we wanted. So I felt like, okay, I could get what I want and I don't have to like transfer schools or do something different. So by that point, my parents were like super supportive. You know, they saw that I was really passionate about it. My mom was always someone that said like, follow your dreams, but have a backup plan. Um, You know, but when we were performing all over IU and um, doing all this, all these competitions and you know people really loved my work and so I felt like okay this is something that I could possibly pursue and who knows what could happen from there um but yeah my friends were always super supportive everyone always knew that dance was the first love for me cool yeah you never wanted to pursue anything other than hip-hop was it like when was hip-hop um when was that the main I guess I guess, like, I never... So, ballet was never, like, a huge focus where I grew up dancing. So, I never felt like... I never felt like I had, like, facility enough to be a technical dancer. Like, it just wasn't me. Like, I trained in every style. I loved doing, you know... At the time, it was lyrical with, like, Doug Caldwell, you know, at dance convention. I, I, I still love that movement, contemporary movement. It just... I found that hip-hop was something that I was really good at, and so it sort of drew me into that more because I felt really confident in it, whereas the other art forms, and I also, I had a lot of body image issues as a kid and, like, through my teenage years, and, you know, at the time I had, I had a breast reduction in my 20s because I just, like, couldn't dance, like, I couldn't, it was too much. Um, and so I think all of that sort of hindered me from being a more technical dancer, even though I still trained in like jazz and theater and tap and ballet. I took everything. I did everything in college. I took modern classes. Like we had to choreograph an entire contemporary modern piece for a showcase that we did. And Mm -hmm. I did a seven minute long, you know, sort of contemporary modern piece. So it wasn't like I couldn't do it. It just wasn't, it wasn't my wheelhouse. And, yeah. you know, it's like, know your strengths. Yeah. And I knew my strengths were in the hip-hop world. And I didn't have to, like, fake it till I make it in that. Whereas, like, the other dance styles, I didn't have to fake it till I make it. But it just wasn't, it wasn't my wheelhouse of, like, the way that my mind thinks or the way that my body moves when I turn yeah. on music. And, you know, when I choreograph, I turn on some music. I'm in that music and I'm feeling it and I'm creating. My body's just basically doing what it naturally will do and then you know like, oh I like that like let me add on to that 
Okay. Whereas like with every other dance style, my body could do it, but it wasn't as like the passion that drove sure. my hip hop passion. So totally, that was really similar to me. Yeah, actually. Yeah, I yeah. mean, like body image stuff, especially in the more ballet aesthetic or you know jazz, you have to like you have to wear like smaller clothes and all these things and I really was very self-conscious as a kid and Mm. didn't want to do it so got it that's so funny I didn't know that you had a breast reduction I did too Mm. (laughs) really yeah at 18 I had mine at 21 it was like the best thing ever yeah it was the best (laughs) choice of my entire life yeah yeah um so when you were in LA um you were performing with the Edge Performing Arts Center and Millennium Dance Complex, and I just want to know how you felt about living in L.A., what the scene was like there as opposed to coming to New York, and yeah. what the dance scene was like here, what the differences are. I mean, it's a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Um, I think even, like, L.A. now is ten times what when I was there, because I was going there when I was 18, 19, and 20. Yeah. And, you know, now I'm 37, so that was a very long time ago. Um, but even then... It was just a different level of dance. I mean, here in New York, especially with especially with hip hop, like there wasn't as much in New York. I mean, there is definitely a lot more now, but LA was so commercial that the people that were in the, those programs, it was like they were doing hip hop like all day long, yeah, uh, and contemporary and all these other things, all these other dance styles. But it wasn't, like, in New York, you're doing, like, theater all day long. Or you're doing ballet all day long. Like, those are the main styles of dance here. Yeah. And at first, it was, like, super intimidating. Because, you know, I was 18 and I was rolling into these classes. Some people, it's very clicky, obviously. Like, the same as in a New York scene can be also. Um, But it's also way more spread out in L.A. So it's harder to get everywhere and to, you know kind of make friends the way that it is in New York City where it's a smaller community of people um I always felt that New York City was someplace that everyone really kind of helps each other out and it's more like family and friendships than like LA feels more like you know let me be friends with this person to see if they can like really hire me for this job right um so it's totally different I mean it's a different scene, but I loved it. I loved the classes I took. I feel like I was really, really inspired by it. I, I was taking, like, Tabitha Napoleon's class every week because they weren't as, like, massive as they are now. Yeah. And Dave Scott and, you know, these um, – Mandy Moore taught every – you know, it's just, like, teachers that now are doing it big in every aspect. Like, they were the teachers that were teaching out in L.A. Mm-hmm. And you were really getting a dynamic training out there. So – I was grateful for it. I was going to move out to L.A. originally, but um, I was actually doing music at the time as well, and a friend of mine from home had moved to New York, and he was doing A&R here in the city for music, and sort of convinced me to move out to New York instead so he could manage me, and he felt like, you know, you could still do dance, pursue dance, but also pursue music, and it just so happened that literally my entire life had moved to New York within that year so my brother was living here I had sort of a an in for moving into his apartment for a second until I found my own space a bunch of my dance friends from college had moved here I had taken a year off after college to to backpack abroad so 
everyone sort of settled into New York before I got back to the States, so I already had like a network here. Whereas in LA, I didn't have as much of a network. So it just made more sense for me to move to New York. Being from Michigan, it's two hours away instead of like six hours away. Yeah. Um, and I'm grateful that I did because everyone I know, I mean, LA is great, but everyone that's a New York City dancer is a New York City dancer for life. Totally. Yeah, <laughs> you know? absolutely. What was your life like here when you first moved here? I mean, it must have been kind of... It was crazy. crazy. I mean, it was crazy because I grew up, like, taking everyone's class at New York City Dance Alliance or Tremaine that taught at Steps on Broadway or Broadway Dance Center. And right. These were, like, studios that I knew about since I was a kid. And I moved here, and, like, my second day here, a friend of mine from college that I danced with, she was, like, one of five of us that did the major she was working in the office at the school at Steps. And they had just lost one of their hip-hop teachers to, like, Legally Blonde the musical or something. And she was like, classes start in three days. We don't have a hip-hop teacher for these three classes. Can you come in and talk to our director? And, you know, if you want the classes, they're yours. And I was, like, went in there, hippied out in my, like, long skirt and flowy top from, like, my travel days. Totally not in my hip-hop, like, look. And one of the people that that used to work there, actually, he told me later that when I first, like three years later, once once I was like established there, sure. he was like, when you came in, I told our director, he was like, you cannot hire that girl for hip hop. She's not a hip hop dancer. Just like look at what she's wearing. And I was like, oh yeah, okay, that makes sense. Like, why would you think that I was a hip hop dancer coming in looking like that? Right. But they gave me a chance <laughs> and they hired me right away. And they were like, you know. We, your friend vouches for you. She's been working here for a year. So my second day in New York, I was teaching at Steps on Broadway. And then from there, I got free class. So I started teaching, taking um, like Robin Dunn's class on Monday nights. And then I met Jonathan Lee, who became one of my best friends. And he's like my family. And, you know, he plugged me. He grew up here. So he plugged me into this whole community in New York City. And it was really like that foot in the door that was crazy to get right away and yeah. um, was just really lucky so I moved here I was living in my brother's apartment like looking for an apartment and I had studied abroad in Australia my junior year of college and I met a bunch of my best friends now who are all musicians and they had all moved to New York with their band at the same time so I was also like playing music with them and you know we were all writing music and recording music and doing stuff. And so when I first moved to New York, it was like a dream. It was like, oh my God, this is where I belong, you know? Um, so it oh. didn't feel as like crazy scary. scary, I guess. That's so crazy though. That's yeah. lucky. It was really lucky. What was the first class that you taught? It was like a hip hop three, <laughs> like level three. Um, That's so crazy. Yeah. It was and like, it was, just, it was an adult class. No. It was oh, it was the, kids. The kids, yeah. Got it. Oh, it okay. So it was yeah, only yeah. what I took. Yeah, it was like the kids, what you took. And then I just sort of asked if I could start, once I was there for a while, I yeah. asked if I could start subbing classes and then eventually asked for my own class and built my following of people that, you know. And then I started teaching around the city and, you know, making my way to all the different studios and making connections everywhere, so... Wow. It's a whole networking networking thing in this city. That is really wild. Damn. Yeah, it was really wild. That's crazy. <laughs> um, would you 
tell anything to your younger self now that you've, I mean, now that you've lived here for so long, being a New Yorker, and have you, did you have wishes or dreams that you either accomplished or haven't yet accomplished but still want to Mm -hmm. or fizzled out? Like, was there any change since you've lived here? Yeah, I think, I think I would have told my younger self to not be so like analysis paralysis all the time and like <laughs> trust myself more and not be so self like I was very body self-conscious when I first moved to the city so like going on auditions and stuff like that that I used to do I just like immediately seized up and like looked around the room and was like oh I'm not gonna get hired for this like just based off alone and I think I think that has shifted a lot over the years not, not as much as it should but yeah. you know there's definitely more more body positivity in like at least like the hip hop world of like you know all different sized dancers you know getting hired for stuff um but there's still a huge stigma on like you have to be this size and you have to look like this and you have to be this and I think that hindered me a lot from like auditioning and performing more so I hid a little bit more behind like being the creative and like the choreographer than like being the performer so I think there was like part of me that wanted to perform more but then there was like a huge part of me that was like just terrified of like what I looked like or what my body image was or all that that just stopped me from doing that so I would have told my younger self like fuck all that (laughs) excuse me I don't know if I'm no that's okay you're allowed to go for it um I would have said you know just do you and like you're talented and you got this and you know not felt that whole like uh imposter syndrome all the time where yeah. you always feel like oh I haven't done enough to like be this person or be that person or you know someone's gonna find me out that I'm not really a dancer or something you know what I mean yeah, like yeah. In, in a weird way um so I would have told my younger self to just like move through that way faster than I did yeah um but having said that I'm also someone that has suffered a ton of injuries over the years so as a performer I think that would have destroyed my body even more mm-hmm. <laughs> as a choreographer and a yeah. you know artistic director has and um so you know you live and you learn and I learned a lot from you know what I did do and so performing fizzled out for me like I, I didn't really feel like the passion for doing that yeah I really realized that I, I like being the person that like sets the work and sees the work happen and gets to work with like professional dancers well I'm, I had a question about the injury part of it because mm-hmm. um for a long time when I was a student of yours you would teach in a chair yeah, you went through the, the hardest years for sure. Um, <laughs> You're like, I have a hip hop teacher that can't move her legs. Um, she teaches from a chair. It's awesome. I thought it was funny. I was like, this is so great. Like, what a savage. <laughs> She's literally just like, okay, everybody, here We're I still am doing it. sitting in a chair, and we all had to interpret what the moves were. <laughs> but it was great. Yeah, no, I loved it. Um, but I'm just wondering, how did that? what was that like what oh. even I don't even really know it was ankle mostly oh my god yeah it was how did that terrible. hinder you how did that open doors you didn't think would yeah. be open to you totally um I mean that was I, I still deal with like my ankle and my knee now um but that was a really 
challenging and devastating time in my life. Um, I had had, like, minor injuries here and there. I had a torn meniscus that I had surgery on, but it healed pretty quickly. I had had a labral tear in my hip. Everyone gets those. You know, it's hindering for a while. But this ankle thing, I was teaching open class, and I was doing, like, a four-starch press into my heel, and I just felt this shooting pain go through the back of my ankle. And I had never had, like, serious, serious injuries before. But it was like really bothersome. I could hardly walk. I went to the doctor and immediately they told me like you need surgery. And I was like, What? Like what do you mean? I don't I don't even understand what you're saying to me right now. Yeah. Like, surgery? Like I'm a How ankle? old were you at the time? Um I was twenty eight or twenty nine for my first surgery. Right. Yeah. Okay. Twenty eight yeah. or twenty nine. Um and I was like, I'm going to get another opinion by another doctor. So I went to another doctor. I got another opinion. He's like, yeah, I mean, you probably need the surgery. Let's try physical therapy first, see what happens. So I tried the physical therapy. It wasn't doing anything. So, you know, I had to have this first ankle surgery, which it was an osteochondral lesion, um, just like wear and tear of the ligament. And it was like a crater of cartilage damage in there. And there was really nothing you could do at the time besides surgery. But it's like a complicated surgery when you do your ankle or, you know, any surgery is complicated, but I also have Crohn's disease, so inflammation in my body is way worse than like your average Joe. So healing in general is much more challenging for my body than it is for most bodies. So, you know, the first thing that they tried to do was um, stem cells for, to regenerate the cartilage. So I did that. I was, it was arthroscopic surgery. I was on a, you know, scooter, scooting around the city, (laughs) teaching on that also, which was like insane. But, you know, having gone through that, I thought my world was going to be over. I thought everyone's going to forget about me. Like my classes were going to be done. No one's going to remember me. And, you know, three months later, I was back to teaching in a chair and to be honest, I had to really focus on my upper body and it changed my choreography completely because mm-hmm. I was always feeling like when I was just creating in front of the mirror, I was always feeling like I had to do these like crazy huge movements and my footwork had to be complex. And then when I couldn't really use my feet as much, I was creating more from my upper body and finding that I was using more power moves, I would say, and more isolations and just like more interesting work because I had to like think about my upper body my arms more and my rib cage and everything from my waist up more than my legs um so I actually think it did help my choreography be a little bit more dynamic and kind of moving from a chair I was able to even be more intricate in how I was performing the movement and then when adding the legs in it was like oh okay that all works together and looks more interesting so you know that was the first surgery and then I went back to teaching too quickly and just was an idiot and didn't wear the right shoes and I re-injured it like literally right after I got back on my feet and had another they thought there was just like some debris in there so they tried to take that out and some scar tissue that didn't really help and then for two years I basically just was in serious pain Um, all the time and I sort of started moving out of dance a little bit more and feeling like okay I can't I can't do this like I can't live like this Um, 
and right around that time was when Nick Kinkle approached me about doing Broadway Bears and I had sort of pulled back from a lot of my classes that I was teaching I had pulled back from open class a lot because my ankle just couldn't handle it and you know my mom always taught me to say yes to everything and figure it out later and so I was like you know what I have great assistance now and people that are like my body so you know I think it opened up doors to me because I I had to rely a little bit more on like people like Hope or you know people that could really help me but those people also helped me see creatively a different way of like my style on their bodies so everything happens for a reason I mean I don't really know what the reason for this ankle for years and years and years but it has taught me a ton and I think it did really shape my choreography having to teach from a chair and just having to like keep pushing forward you know it's like yeah I finally found a doctor that you know did a massive surgery um where they took cartilage from my knee and they broke the medial malleolus in my ankle and they put that in there and they put some screws in there but you know now I'm way more functioning than I ever was and such is the life of a dancer yeah (laughs) and not teaching in a chair anymore and not teaching in a chair sometimes (laughs) only when I'm tired that's so crazy um god I can't believe that yeah, it was a crazy time, and it was it was really hard. I mean, dance felt like my identity at the time. Yeah, I felt so like hard. if I didn't have dance, like who the hell am I? Until yeah. I realized, okay, you know what? Actually, I have a lot of other things about myself. It's not just dance. Like dance is one thing that I do, and it's one thing that I love. But like my friends are still my dance. Like my dance friends are still my friends, whether I'm teaching or doing or, you know, choreographing a ton or I'm not. Yeah, you know. So, I just figured myself out a little bit more, I guess. Right. Um, What have you learned from teaching all ages and levels, and has that informed the way you choreograph now? And also, um, shout out to Hope Easterbrook, but um, so Hope was a student of yours. Mm -hmm. Now you guys are BFFs, (laughs) and you work together, or you have worked together, you will work together again, I'm sure, Um, and she was your assistant and I'm just wondering like how that friendship formed how do you feel about your impact as a teacher on people like her or other students that you had sure I mean teaching is an amazing thing to have in life and you don't really realize it until you have people like you or hope or you know kids that are writing you cards at the end of the year telling you how you know you've helped shape their year or you know help them become better dancers or become better people or understand themselves more or feel better about themselves that give them confidence that you know so I mean teaching all different levels first of all I think helped me just become a really good teacher but also be able to see the full picture no matter who I'm working with so whether I'm working with you know I've worked with people that are up-and-coming artists that have zero dance ability and you have to like go from scratch and they're adults and you're like how the hell am I going to do this yeah but teaching kids as low as like eight-year-olds or you know nine-year-olds really helped me be able to like break that down in a way that is helpful for everyone to really understand like the concept of the movement so you know whereas like a lot of teachers would be like oh this is how this is my style so like just do what I do I feel like teaching young to older has really helped me be able to break it down in a way that is 
helps the student understand the movement um, to like the minutia of the details. Mm-hmm. I love training people that are trying to be professionals in this industry. You know, when you see someone like, I mean, Hope is a very special like case for me because, you know, she, she was someone, her, her group also was like the first group that I really felt like these were my kids and like they... I developed a real relationship with everybody in those classes. They were with me through the years. Also, Hope was with me since she was 12. You know, I felt a connection to her. I felt a connection to her as a performer, her as what she wanted to do in life. And I felt like this is someone that I want to take under my wing. I want to, like, help out as much as I can. And she was, like, a baby then. You know, she was 18, maybe not even 18, 17. And I had said, you know, if you want to assist classes or whatever I'd love to have you around like you know I'm here for you no matter what and you know a year later she took me up on that and um started assisting me in everything and you know she was still really young so her and my friend Jonathan he would also like have her doing some stuff and then we were able to start becoming more friends and now she's literally like my sister, you know, she's helped me immensely over the years. I, it's very rare that you get someone that will do your style exactly like you. She's basically in my brain whenever I'm creating or doing or teaching, like she knows the movement that's going to come before I even know it, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And that doesn't happen that often, but when it does, it's like a really amazingly special thing, you know, to have. And just to see kids like that, that you've taught, develop in a way that is, she's so fierce, she's going to be doing such amazing things. She's already done such amazing things, you know, like when she booked Hamilton, it felt like, oh my God, my child, almost, you know, like, and she's just such a talent. So I, I feel really lucky to work with people that really appreciate the things that you give them and the tools that you give them to succeed in the world in any way. You know, it's not like hip-hop dance class is necessarily going to make everyone, you know, flourish in the world, but maybe there's one thing that I did in that class that gave you the confidence to go out into the world and feel like a more confident person, and maybe that'll help shape who you become. And that alone, you don't really realize that impact until, you know, even someone like you reaches out and you're like, these are all the awesome things that I felt when I was taking your class. And I'm like, holy shit, that's so cool, you know? Um, Which is so funny for me because it's like, I was always like, she knows that I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) feel lucky to be in this advanced class, like for, okay. So it's just so funny. That's like, I mean, it makes sense because I have that, like if, because I choreograph for my high school now. And like those kids too, like I don't think I'm doing anything because it's just like, this is what I do. Yeah. But it makes a difference, I think. Yeah. When someone's like, oh my God, like I had the best time or like you were a great choreographer. Like I'm just like, cool. Like, totally. all right. I mean, every time someone's like, oh my God, I love that piece. I'm like, oh my God, I did that. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. You guys like that? Like it's still, you know, especially as a creative and an artist, like you're always going to be hypercritical of your work. Sure. And it's always going to be like, is this good? Is this bad? Like, you know, cause it just is whatever comes out of your body. Yeah. So it's sort of like what, it's just based off of people's preference of what they like 
to mm-hmm. dance or what they like to watch or what they, you know, think of as art. And you're like, okay, you could either think this is the worst thing in the world or the best thing in the world. So far, you know, I've gotten good feedback from most mm-hmm. of my work. But every single time it's like, holy shit, okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. I did that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I don't know that that ever goes away no matter how much you do or mm-hmm. don't do. Right. Speaking of um, being a student and loving your class, um, I also had so many body image issues growing up. I mean, you know, it doesn't really end, but you work on it. And, totally. Um, especially because I just felt like I was kind of an outside person who was, because I didn't go to like a performing arts school or anything like that. I wasn't at Steps all day, every day, like sure. the rest of the girls in that class. And I just kind of came because I was like, this is what I like to do on Monday nights. And like, I do dance, but I'm, that's not like my main thing. Sure. Um, and I just liked being around those, like mm-hmm. you guys. Um, <laughs> but there was a lot of confidence that you instilled in me as a student because of just the way you held yourself as a dancer, as a teacher. Thank and you. You're <laughs> <laughs> And I'm just wondering, like, when you choreograph, are you choreographing with yourself in mind or, like, your students in mind or other people? Like, are you envisioning? Who do you envision your choreographing for? Or does it just depend on the project? I think it just depends on the project. Um, but for the most part... I like powerful movement, but clean movement. Mm -hmm. So I'm not trying to make it too complex that everyone feels crazy doing it. Yeah. I envision, like, when I take class or when I take from somebody, if I can't, like, breathe at all through the movement, it feels like I just want to, I just want that moment in my work where people can feel like, oh yeah I really feel that groove or I really felt that like power move and I could like milk that a little bit before I move to the next thing Mm -hmm. so I definitely choreograph it a lot of times especially for like you know steps program or like showcase um or when I'm choreographing for a stage I will keep in mind what it's gonna look like as a group of like 12 or 15 people or three people is that gonna look like one person doing the whole movement or is it going to feel like so um, challenging that it's just going to look like a mess so Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of my movement I create thinking like how is this going to look in like a power move with like a group of people that's like holy shit that looked sick when that happened so yeah. Even when I'm choreographing for class, I still choreograph in that way. Like, I want there to be those moments that feel like, mm, like, I just hit that step and it felt amazing. So, I choreograph for, obviously, like, my body and what, like, what, like, looks good when I'm in front of a mirror and I'm like, oh, okay, that looks cool. Uh, but then when I take it to class and I see that it actually looks really good on everyone's bodies, too... You know, I realize it's not just it's not just for me. It's not just like whatever looks good on my body because yeah. there's a lot of choreographers out there that have like either really intricate detail and like their movement is really cool when they do it on themselves, but when they put it on other people, it looks crazy. And I always want my movement to look really good on everybody mm-hmm. and for everyone to like feel really good doing it. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it's like very versatile. Yeah, which I like. Thank you. Um, is there a choreographer that 
I mean, I know that you were talking about Josh Burgos, but is there either a collaborator or someone that you haven't worked with yet that you're influenced by when you're choreographing? Um, I mean, I'm definitely very influenced by a lot of the people I took when I was, like, out in L.A. when I was 18, 19, 20. Like, Nappy Tabs, Tabitha Napoleon were so inspiring even back then. Um, Dave Scott, his class was amazing. Rhapsody James, she was always someone that, you know, I took from and loved her style. Um, so I would say a lot of those teachers definitely influenced how I looked at hip hop. And then once like YouTube became a thing, I feel like, um, I mean, Wade Robeson was someone I took from when I was a kid too. His style definitely influenced me as like a teenager taking a competition and, and learning from him. Um, and then once YouTube became a thing, people like Nick Jamira and uh, Jillian Myers like that are just really super technical hip-hop dancers, interesting movement that inspired me to sort of play with my movement a little bit more. Um, today I feel like it's getting a little bit like sloppy all over the place hip-hop, um, what's out there, but those people that really give you like really clean moments that just feel good in your body to do that look really dynamic those choreographers are people that I aspire to be like got it um can we talk about your music for a sec sure <laughs> I haven't done music in so long yes um what what happened with that like did you um do you still think you might get back to that is it kind of just like you're not into it anymore? Do you still sing? Do you still write? Um, I still sing. I still play around on my guitar, and I still love that for mm-hmm. myself. And if I'm inspired, I'll write something. It was always usually when I was, like, heartbroken or something crazy happening that I just felt like, you know, it was sort of journaling for me more than anything, I feel like. Um, yeah, I mean, at the time, I was... I had a lot of friends that were musicians and we were all sort of doing it together and it's just such a hard industry. Yeah. I mean, it's probably the hardest industry to me, it seems, because, you know, I was a hip-hop dancer that sang, like, a very singer-songwriter style. So, like, I would play shows and my all my students would come out and I'd be, like, singing about, like, you know, rainbows and butterflies and love and la-la-la and, like, and then, you know, I'm in <laughs> class, like... <laughs> cat you know and so I had talked to some like producers here and there that you know wanted me to do more like pop style and I just that didn't speak to me either and then it was just that industry is crazy you know it's just you could play shows and play shows and play shows and then you could still put out an album and then you know maybe you could get a small tour with you know here and there and still not make any money and it's such a hit or miss you know whereas like dance for me it was making me money and it was making me have like work and jobs that were lucrative and music was something that I was like pursuing on the side but I never felt like I never felt like my full heart was in it the same way that I was able to pursue dance yeah I also started playing the guitar really late in life. I played it, like, I started learning at 18, 19, which is when I started, you know, writing music. Mm -hmm. And vocally, like, 
I could sing, but I didn't have like a huge range. I was yeah. definitely more in like the singer songwriter. Like I couldn't belt. Um, I'd love to be able to, but <laughs> my voice just didn't do that. You know, I took voice lessons for a while. Um, but then it just got to the point where I was, I guess, a more realistic with what would happen with music. And I really loved it for myself and I would always continue to play for myself. But it just became a thing that the lifestyle didn't seem like something that I really wanted to be doing. Yeah. And it just felt like too much of a challenge. And all my friends that were musicians also were like moving on to other things in wow. life. And it was just fizzled out, I guess. Yeah. I still love it, but it's just not the same. Sure. Got it. Um, okay, so let's talk about Broadway Bears. Yeah. <laughs> so this was um, this was your first year directing, being by yourself, yes. doing the solo this gig. Crazy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just want to know like when you got involved with it all, um, and what it's meant to you because it's a big like role. Yeah. It's huge. It's a big and it's such a so many people and just I don't know I guess just how you got involved and what it means to you, I guess. Yeah. Um, so I got involved six years ago when, um, my very good friend Nick Hinkle was directing the show. Um, you know, he's been a part of the show for like, I don't know, 14 or 15 years. Um, he's worked with Jerry Mitchell on a million projects and he and I became friends years ago, maybe like, I don't even know, 12 years ago now where he was taking my class at Dance New Amsterdam at the time that was still a studio. <laughs> and um, it was actually right around when I was sort of fizzling, phasing out of dance as much as I was because of my ankle and feeling like I need to like figure out other things in life. And I saw him at the Joyce at a show and you know he approached me and asked if I'd ever be interested in choreographing for bears. He's like, I've always really loved your work. And... I had never done Bears before. I'd seen it, but I hadn't done it. And they were moving into a new space in Hammerstein Ballroom from Roseland, which was like a massive space compared to Roseland. Yeah. And I said, yeah, I'm here for whatever you want me to do, whether it's like assisting in a piece or choreography piece or just helping out and learning, I'm down. So I started coming to meetings and then, you know, he gave me a number for the rock hard year, which was the 24th year. And... You know, I sort of went into it feeling like this is a huge undertaking, but I'll figure it out, you know, somehow, some way. And it went really, really well. And um, the next year was the 25th anniversary, and Jerry Mitchell had us all come in and pitch ideas. And um, that alone was terrifying because you're like, I don't know if my ideas are good. <laughs> and um, again, I got another number for the show, and so choreographed that. Again, that went really well. People loved it. And then for the next few years, I choreographed numbers for the show. And it is such an amazing organization. I mean, Broadway Cares has become just like, I, I love every single person there. I think what they do is unbelievable. The amount of people that they help, the amount of money they raise. Yeah. Um, the organization in general is just phenomenal. Uh, but then all the people there are also just amazing group of people. And then this event happens once a year where there's no ego. Everyone is there for a higher purpose. Everyone is there to raise money for a charity. Everyone is there to do something bigger than themselves. And that reads completely in like the weeks that you are doing this. Because 
you know, Nick told me, and this is something I have told everyone when I make my speech at the beginning of the show or rehearsals is, you know, he said, you'll, you'll meet some of your best friends from this show. And I was like, in three weeks, how am I going to meet best friends or whatever? Yeah. And literally my bestest friends, my family members basically today in the city are from doing bears and this like (laughs) bears family that is created. And just like, I, you know, opened up this entire Broadway world to me where, you know, I was doing more like commercial dance and now it's like, you know, every single show, you know, every single person is doing every single show. You're connected through this whole network of people that you weren't connected to necessarily before. You know, you have like a few friends here and there, but, um, and, you know, Nick approached me about, you know, possibly taking over and I sort of said are you sure you're ready to do that and um you know then he asked me to co-direct the show with him last year um and I obviously said yes and you know that felt like Nick has been doing it for so long it felt really supported we had to come up with a theme together and you know the theme game night that we came up with was my concept which felt awesome to you know be able to give the idea for what would then develop into the whole show and that alone is really a crazy thing to see and witness um and then just from being a choreographer to being directing with him there's so much more work that you don't even realize goes into this massive beast of a show from like finding people to write the opening number to like an original track and then giving them like what concept you want for the opening number to set up the whole show and then finding someone to write the finale and then finding someone to design the set and the stage and then um, work finding the choreographers that you want to work with like bringing everyone into brainstorming meetings and then picking and choosing who fits what in the show and then you have to let people down it's all like a crazy process Um, but I learned so much last year from it and then um, when they approached me this year to solo direct the show, um, I definitely felt like I had more of an understanding going into it, but I had, it was way more than I would have ever imagined. Yeah. And like, and just the, the stress of um, wanting to do a really good job for everybody. You know, this is a really special show to a lot of people. And... I'm the second female director to ever do it in the last 29 years. And so that alone felt like a really big undertaking um, to make sure that I was doing right by the whole community. Um, And then just wanting it to be as amazing as it possibly could be for everybody involved. So, you know, the whole process from last year, I had to come up with a theme by like October to oh present. God. Wow. So it That's starts early. <laughs> really early. Yeah. It's like a full almost so like, a year. If you do this again next year, which are you? Um, so I we haven't like discussed plans, all the yeah. things, but um but you would it's have to be to the thirtieth anniversary. So I know Jerry wants to be more involved, but I told him, you know, I'm down for anything and everything that he needs or wants, whether it's like co directing or, you know, having my hand in it because he's doing a million projects. Mm-hmm. Um Whatever they want, I'm, I'm here for it. Especially now that I have more under my belt. Um, yeah. But I know it's going to be a big year because it's going to be the 30th anniversary. So So if you were to, I mean, let's say you were to direct it this year, you would literally have to come up with themes in like two months. Yes. 
Wow. Okay. Yeah. And then we have like our first brainstorming sessions with just like a few choreographers that have done the show before in like November. Okay. Um, just sort of like to give them the theme, give them the deck that we come up with and then have them kind of brainstorm ideas and come up with some music choices or thoughts on a piece. And then usually we do another bigger brainstorm with a few more choreographers, some new choreographers possibly that come in in like December. And then, um, you know, also within that time, you have to find someone to write the opening number. You have to have meetings about that. You have to know the concept of like what you want them to be doing because everyone has like a million projects and everyone's donating their time for free. So you really have to get on top of these things early so that it's not all of a sudden like April and you're like, shit, I need an opening number. Who's going to write it? You know? Yeah. Yeah. So those meetings happen in like January for April, (laughs) you know? Um, and then, you know, just production meetings with like Vegas aerialists that they also come in from Vegas to do. And you sort of have to give them an idea of what you want so that they can start creating you know, the rigs for it and the choreography for it and planning it into their schedule. So there's just so many moving parts for this show. Yeah. And it's crazy because it's like a one night only show. Yeah. Where you have to like plan it from, you know, basically October. Um, Yeah. And then by, usually by like February, March, um, everything's pretty set in who's choreographing and, you know, but at that point, music choices can change you have to make sure the whole flow of the show works really well from like stop start to finish that everything feels different that you're not just like kind of one note through the whole thing um so that's a whole different stress and um somehow some way it all comes together always I mean Broadway Cares is like a well-oiled machine yeah and they've been doing this show for so long that like the producers there the props people, the technical people, the technicians, everyone is on their on their game. So Damn. you have to really trust that like everyone knows what they're supposed to be doing. So somehow, some way, as long as I'm doing my part and making sure that all this is running and the creative side, then everything else will kind of come into place. Wow. Yeah. But you also choreograph even though you're the director. Correct, yeah. How yeah. many pieces do you choreograph um I did the opening number this year and then I do a hip-hop piece um so I did two this year and then I choreograph the what we call the punch punch dance which is at the end of the finale where Mm -hmm. everyone comes out on stage got it wow and is casting for that like what is that like is it friends of people like no it's not I mean casting first is um there's like three tiers of casting mm-hmm. um so if you're in a broadway show it's broadway bears so like you're you are cast no matter what if you're in a broadway show or if you are just off a national tour um and if you or you if you had just been in a broadway show within the last two years um you're for sure cast in the show and then after that it really has to do a lot with fundraising so people that show a lot of like fundraising efforts people that raise like over two thousand three thousand dollars every year um you know we try to make sure that it's about the charity aspect as well yeah um so that's a huge part of casting in the show is Mm -hmm. are you there for the for the reason of like it's it's an amazing experience but are you fundraising and like are you contributing to what we're trying to do here which is not just like a amazing dance show that is like part of this community but also raising as much money as we possibly can and like this year we raised 
the most money we've ever raised at $2 million for the entire show. And the dancers alone raised a little over $1 million, which has never happened before. So that's an incredible thing. And that's really the whole point of putting this whole thing on is to raise as much money as we possibly can. So, so casting really has to do that. And then obviously like, you know, in the casting room, if you're someone that doesn't take any of the choreographer's classes and nobody knows you, someone that's out there taking class is going to, you know, get cast first because you're going to be like, oh yeah, I know that person. They are amazing at, you know, Latin jazz. So you should definitely like, you know, use them because they'll be great in your piece. Yeah. So the more dancers take from the choreographers that are, you know, choreographing for the show and involved, the better a chance of like casting just because, you know, we don't have like a audition where we see you in person yeah it's basically goes off of your resume and then basically off of of who knows you in the room like and we have a large room of you know 12 13 choreographers so there's a good chance someone's gonna know somebody that can help place them in the right piece um but yeah it's really good to take from a variety of the choreographers for sure wow so cool it's fun it's a fun time of year um (laughs) Are you, is there, if you, since you're the director, or since you were the director this year, are there some things that you like to be more hands-on with, and other things that you're just like, you know what, I trust the other members of the team to do their thing, and I'm not going to get as involved, or I'm not going to, you know, be so stressed, I don't need to stress so much about Mm -hmm. this aspect of it, is there anything like that, or do you, are you the kind of director that just, like, needs to oversee it all to know what's Um, happening? I think I, I think I give good input where it needs to be Mm -hmm. but I try a with like the creatives like the choreographers obviously I had like I had the deck of like what I want what kind of numbers I want in the show but then the music that they want to use or the storyline that they want to tell I try to be really open to their ideas for that so that they're choreographing to something that they're really inspired by as well because obviously that will make it even better. Um, If they're just given something and said, like, here's a song, choreograph to it. I've had to do that before in the past. I know other people have had to do it before in the past, which is not, like, the worst thing in the world if it has to happen. Yeah. Um, But if it can work out that there's a song that inspires them that fits in the show... You know, there will be things that I'll be like, no, absolutely not, that doesn't work. Or things that I'm like, yes, that's awesome. And then in listening to it, I'm like, mm, actually, listening to the whole flow of the show, I don't think that's going to work, so let's let's brainstorm a few other ideas. So that kind of stuff is overseen a little bit more. Um, things like all the production stuff, I'm like, stage setup, there's little things here and there of like the LED screens design-wise that I had some input in but for the most part I trust those people to know what they're doing Mm -hmm. in the sense of like building the set um lighting designer um our lighting designer Joel is incredible and I trust him with everything like you know what you're doing and with like little notes here and there of like what we want things to look like he's gonna make it look amazing um same thing with like the aerialists you know from Vegas they're on top of their stuff basically if we give them like here's the basic outline of the song this is where we want the rigs to come in we'd love something that looks like this go (laughs) you know it's like they're gonna come up with something unbelievable that you don't have to like micromanage because they know what they're doing more than you might necessarily know what you're doing yeah in those aspects um 
same thing with like all the props people like whatever you know people tell them to do or what they want they're gonna come up with it they're gonna be amazing like they're so on top of their stuff that you just literally have to send them a picture of what you want or what you want done and they will take care of it so there's a lot of that I and mean, honestly like the, the things that as a director I felt like I had to like worry about the most were the choreographers the different styles of dance that I chose to be in the show um, and then the music choices, which, you know, the flow of the show. And then um, just choreographic choices of where certain things, like storylines, just making sure those are really clear that I had to step in a little bit more of. Um, and then, obviously, the opening number, making sure it's, like, the storyline that you want to tell for the rest of the show. And then the book writer, I work really, like, really closely with him and he was amazing and like helping out um tell that story mm -hmm. um so there's certain things that I had to be really hands-on and certain things like all the technical aspects of the stage and all that that I felt like okay you guys got your stuff you know what you're doing so I don't have to be as crazed about that cool yeah um, I asked this question to everyone, so don't feel like I'm putting you on the spot. Okay. <laughs> what was it like the first time you fell in love first time I fell in love like when I was like 14 or something like that yeah uh I mean like young love I guess I don't know if that's like real love at the time but love feels amazing there's nothing like it I mean you know you feel like you're flying on cloud nine and it's uh, really the best feeling in the world and also the most terrifying feeling in the world because a lot of songs came out of heartbreak <laughs> throughout the years. Um, I guess the first time falling in love feels exciting and new, but you know, falling in love this time feels like the best love for sure. So it's the best. Cool. Nothing better. Now I have some fun questions for you. <laughs> okay. If you could listen to one song for the rest of your life, what would it be? One song for the rest of my life? That's a really hard question. I've been trying to think of this answer. Because I don't think there's any one song that I like that much. That you'd want to listen to. That I'd want to listen to for the rest of my life. But if I had to like pick one song, I feel like it would have to be like a classic. Like a Beatles Hey Jude that you know feels like uplifting but also melodic. That's mm -hmm. not too like intense of like a beat but can be you know kind of that la 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 feels really good at the end to sing every time um or like a tiny dancer honestly <laughs> love it okay yeah what is or was your favorite dance class to take in the city I mean it can be something that's not around anymore but in the city um I loved Rhapsody's class she was just so amazing especially at that time in my life mm. um she was really inspiring. She was like a really powerful female that danced like a dude and but also like very sexy in, in its own way as well. And that's what I felt like my aesthetic was. So I really appreciated that for, for what she gave. Cool. If you could go back in time and experience one day in history, which would you choose? What would it be? One day in like all of history or like my own history? Oh, I didn't think about your own history. I mean, you could give me either. I don't mind. Um, I feel like in history, I was always 
like I'm an inner hippie at heart and I always wanted to like live in the 60s mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I feel like just like in history I would like to like be a flower child just living in a van going across the country like spreading love and peace <laughs> um man in my own life um uh, if I could go back to one day in history no, I feel like the best day ever was like directing bears this year. <laughs> so <laughs> it would I be from that. a few months ago. It was just such a a feeling of like an accomplishment that I I would have never thought that I could pull off and do. And mm-hmm. I had like so many fears throughout the year of like I was just gonna fall on my face and fail at it, uh, which is natural for like everything in life to feel like that. <laughs> Um, where I knew I, I wouldn't fail at it, but, like, there was always just that fear and just seeing it all come together and come out and seeing how much everyone, like, had so much fun and so much love and so much great energy. It was honestly, like, the best feeling in the world. That's so great. Yeah. Well, that's it for me. Oh, my God. Do you have anything else you'd Thank like you. to add? Um... Just that this was so much fun, and that I'm so happy to see you, and I so appreciate that you loved my class that much growing up, and... Oh my god. No, like, my 12-year-old self is, like, screaming right now. (laughs) I cannot. It's it's awesome to, like, reconnect with old students that are doing awesome things, and seeing what you guys are all up to, and... You know, feeling like I'm still 25, even though you're getting older. I'm just staying the same age. <laughs> you don't look a day past when I met you. Oh, though. thank you. So, <laughs> work. I'll take it. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed Leia Barak. She's definitely a force. It's pretty awesome that. The Scout Archives has given me an excuse to reach out to those who I've always been in awe of, but never felt like I could reach out to them or ask them these things. It's just, it's, it's really cool. And I'm really proud to have Leia on the Scout Archives just because she was such a constant force in my life growing up in the arts and becoming the woman that I am today. And she may have never known until now. Uh, So it feels really awesome that I can say she's a part of Scout now. Look out for more coming this month, more artist dates, and there's going to be a letter from the editor coming soon. I'm a little late on that, but it will be coming soon. Until then, I will see you all next month. Stay excellent, stay creative, and thanks so much for listening. See you next time.